Welcome to Sex Communication, a project aimed at changing how people talk about sex. It features audio recordings of sex acts, extremely frank conversations, and many confessionals. Please note that our content is explicit and uncensored. And while these episodes may indeed arouse you, the intent is to inform and inspire. Join us now for a judgment and shame-free exploration of sex. Sexy, sexy, sex stuff. Sex. Hello and welcome to episode 71. Today I'm sharing with you a conversation that, uh, just as fair warning, covers a sensitive topic. There is discussion of one woman's experience being molested as a preteen at the hands of an older person. However, this conversation is not all doom and gloom. You know, that event is just but one part of her larger sexual story, and we talk about all of the things, not just the bad. You know, we get into how she first identified herself as a sexual being, the first sexual experiences she had, what was her first orgasm like. We get into the trauma, we get into her struggles with even being able to identify it as trauma, uh, and also, you know, the effects of that experience on her sex and relationships from that point. Um, You know, she's done a lot of work on healing in more traditional ways, but also, you know, we get into how healthier, better communication and taking more ownership of one's sexuality have also been really big contributors in her healing. Um, So, yeah, and there's also a fair amount of discussion about anal sex. She is very pro-anal sex, so that's definitely a positive that you should hang around for. Anyway, let's jump in. Hi, Alex. Welcome. (laughs) I am welcomed. (laughs) So how do you identify sexually? Um, I guess pretty straight. Really, really wanted, I wanted to be gay or bi in high school. And I had girlfriends, but I think that was mostly because I had these friendships where we slept in the same bed and occasionally made out and did lots of drugs together. So um, I kind of wanted that intimacy to be romantic. And I met this one girl named Karina who in high school, we were so in love with each other. But like what I realize now, like best friends, maybe it was even a little more than best friends, but sexually we weren't, it didn't it didn't really excite either of us. There wasn't that draw to have sex with each other like there was with men, but we wanted to sleep in the same bed. I cried when she went to college in London. We wrote each other every day. We talked on the phone for hours and hours. Um, we, I lived with her for a little while. Um, but we just, you know, we cuddled, but we didn't even really kiss. Like maybe we tried to have sex a couple times, but it just was like awkward. But how far did you get? What do you mean? Like, what do you really mean when you say try? Oh, like, uh, you know, at one point, like, I fingered her and we kissed. We were kissing and fingering each other. Um, And then we just, and that lasted about, like, a very awkward 15 to 20 minutes. Now, when we first started hanging out and, like, hanging out all the time, we used to go to this club. I was 16. She was about 18. We used to go to this club. Uh, which was like a drag queen club down in the meatpacking district. Um, Jackie 60 at Mother. And it was a, no, it was a drag night at a club. And we went out there, we went there one time and we ended up having a threesome with this 
guy from England who was also about 17. Like, God knows why we were allowed in these places. It's like a 16-year-old. And he was staying with his parents at the Marriott, but he had gotten his own, they had gotten him his own room. So... Uh, somehow he found out about this club from a friend and we all went back to his hotel room and did like a bunch of cocaine we had gotten at the club and all had sex with each other. And I remember we laughed about this for years afterwards. Every time he came, he, well, not every time, I think a few times during sex, I think he only came one time. Um, and there were condoms involved, which was rare for me as a teenager. When he was very excited, he would go, <laughs> and I always remember this. Um, I always remember this as being like hilarious. And then her and I left there at like eight o'clock in the morning, like giggling and really proud of ourselves. And even from England, he would try to get in touch with us. Like he, this is before Instagram, whatever. So he had a calling card and he tried to call me at one point. And I was like, I don't care. But her and I became friends and like fell in love with each other and read books and dressed up in corsets and took photographs of each other and ran around Central Park. Is it different now though with women or any other I haven't really, type of person? I haven't been with a woman in such a long time. Such a long time. But I constantly have this fantasy that my boyfriend and I will have like a threesome. Like I'll be able to watch him having sex with a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be very sexy. Well, you don't like, want to participate. No, no. Yeah, I would. I have like some sexual trauma of my past and my particular, uh, one of the people that I, I'm hesitant to say molested because I was of a pre-teenage. So I was like 12 ish, but there was a woman quote unquote predator involved. Mm. So sometimes I have some hesitance towards women going down on me or, or fantasizing about that, but me going down on a woman or going down on a guy with a woman. Sometimes I think about stuff like that. And I do think about, um, I do think about like watching him have sex with someone or being, or like, telling a woman like what to do like how to pace herself on him or whether to go on top or not I think that would be very sexy but I've never done it because of course it gets complicated with people this is another reason why I think sex work should be legal it gets very complicated with people that you know Right. Um, or friends. And then, of course, who else are you going to... Or you could be one of those awkward straight couples that go around and troll lesbian and gay bars asking if people want to party. I don't <laughs> want... That's It's just not a cute look. Um, and also, like, I don't want to have to convince someone. I'd rather just have someone who has been checked, who is a professional at pleasure, and, like, hire them. I think that would be great. In and out with no drama. No. Yeah. yeah, no drama. Like, there was that show. The actress was on Doctor Who for a while, Rose. Mm-hmm. And then she did this show called, like, The Call Girl Diaries or something. Yeah. Um, and it was really good. And she did a lot of couples on the show. And it just seemed so nice. Like, oh, I've set up the shower for them, et cetera, et cetera. And there was no pretense. And that seemed very appealing to me. 
and not in like an abusive way. Like I wouldn't, I, I was, you know, I've been to, I went recently to Thailand and I asked a room full of people. We were all eating and I, I knew them, friends of friends. And I said, you know, it would be great to engage in, in something or hire a sex worker, but I can't in that kind of region guarantee that they have agency here. You probably could. Um, but there, there was no way except one NGO helped a group of sex workers set up their own shop. I forget what it was called. And I didn't visit, um, because by the time I got to Chiang Mai, which was a Northern city, I had already kind of started talking with this guy that I knew from back home. And I just, it no longer felt appealing to me, but this was sex worker owned sex worker run, uh, helped set up and permitted by an NGO otherwise. But even with that, like, how do you really guarantee agency outside of regulation and how do you have regulation without legalization? It's impossible. So in your mind, when you were in Thailand and you were considering this or like the thoughts going through your head, but you didn't have a guy there. So you right. were in like imagining that it would be you and one woman or multiple. Were actually, you, what were you really picturing? I was actually picturing one of what they refer to as like lady boys, but what we yeah. would refer to here as a trans woman. <laughs> um, and even people in America were like, did you see any lady boys of Thailand? And I'm like, bro, it's the same thing as a trans woman like here. Um, that's sort of actually what I pictured, like feminine, but male genitalia. So is hetero, um, sexuality to you kind of stretchy? I mean, do you just, cause you're saying you identify as mostly straight, but you're describing a lot of things that most people would consider going into like the pansexual area. Oh yeah. I guess like I would, I would dabble in anything, but when I think about if I were to think about a singular experience with a singular person, more often than not, much more often than not, I would say about 95% in my mind, there's a penis involved. And not one that I have. <laughs> <laughs> Just to make the distinction. Yeah, because yeah. we didn't talk about your, your gender, gender identification. I think, I don't, I think I've, yeah, I definitely identify as female, but I do and have always felt very hindered by the assigned behaviors of gender. Mm. And I think I am very much, I feel very comfortable being female and in my body. I would not trade a period for testicles, which is a debate I've had <laughs> many <a> time <laughs> um, with my friends, like late night. You know, it's like astronauts versus cavemen kind of debate. Um, but I feel like, I feel like there's a, I used to talk about this with an ex-boyfriend of mine. He was incredibly feminine. In fact, a lot of my male friends would be like, he's gay. He's lying to you. I'm like, mm, <laughs> what? <laughs> I was like, you know, I don't actually care if he's ever sucked dick or whatever, or if he ever will. Right now, it seems like he very much enjoys what my genitalia does with his genitalia. So I don't think he's, you know, lying, quote unquote, to me. And um, him and I talked recently and he was like, well, you have a lot of like masculine energy. And I have a lot of feminine energy and it just seemed to work. And it really did. And I guess I do have, I can have a lot of masculine energy. I love the, I love combat sports. 
I love caretaking in sort of a physically strong way. I like being able to carry people. I like being able to provide. I like being able to uh, and provide not in a not necessarily in a domestic way in um you know a hunty way. But I also have the other side where I am caretaking in an emotional way and I have this you know I have both and because I don't feel like I was limited by my parents my quote unquote masculine expressions never seemed weird to me a lot of my friends are were like oh you like all these boy movies and it never occurred to me to think of them one way or the other because I've loved like 30s gangster movies since I was a kid you know there was just not that sort of pigeonholed express expression stuff my mom liked to get me a rabbit fur coat and tap shoes and put bows in my hair when I asked for it and was equally as happy to let me wear, you know, jeans and roll around in the mud with boys. But do you feel like this expression of your own masculine energy and these tendencies that you feel like you have, is that in and out of the bedroom or just out of the bedroom and you're a different person? Like, do you feel like you still express mostly a masculine energy when you're having heterosexual sex? No, actually, when I'm having heterosexual sex, I don't know if it would be specifically masculine to say that. I've only recently started exploring, like, being much more, like, demure or submissive in bed, which I like. I like that a lot. I was involved with this guy quite a while ago that was very submissive and wanted to interact with me that way. And I had never been, I mean, I had always had pretty, you know, outside, it wasn't fetish culture sex. It wasn't like BDSM or anything like that. Maybe a little couple's anal was as non vanilla as I really got until recently. And so this guy, or until this guy, so this guy started out super coy, like, Oh, what do you think of this porn? Or like this, and a lot of it was like female dominant stuff. And I was like, well, I've never really considered that or fantasized about that. But then I started watching a lot of that kind of porn and interacting with him that way. Not physically, only over text. And then little by little, I realized that he was quite, he he had been like kind of lying about how much experience he had, which he said was not at all. And then all of a sudden, he knew all this stuff. He had all these things, like, and he had all these very practiced, clear ways he wanted, like, this list, this checklist of, I want you to do this, I want you to do this, I want you to do this. And I realized that in this weird way, I was being groomed to be somebody's dom. And that angered me to no end and made me feel like, like, made a fool of, oddly, and like, like I had, like, somebody had tricked me taken my agency away and I thought it was me and another person sort of like researching a bunch of this stuff for the first time and maybe trying to experiment with it each other and then it turned out not to be that at all which was annoying to me um the guy I'm currently seeing it's a very slow progression into playing with like power roles and stuff but it's also like I trust him very much and like it's very easy I don't know if I've had this much open communication verbal with somebody I've been sleeping with ever. And I think that that would, I think that eventually I would be able to have sex with a third person with this person. 
Now, I had a lot of, like, threesomes and group sex stuff in high school, as one does. Drugs and whatnot. (laughs) But not in my adult life ever. So what's different about this guy that you have more verbal communication with him versus other relationships? What's different? I don't know. Um, Well, he's, like, more into really focusing on the way in which he communicates with people and doesn't. He, like, consistently works on that. When I was married, I think my husband had his own issues dealing with trust and was constantly quite afraid that I was cheating on him um, and lying to him in some way, which I wasn't. I had cheated on many boyfriends before, but uh, never him or the one before him. So I'm not sure. Uh, he, and so when I didn't, when I went through these periods of time, cause I don't take birth control. So I have this like cycle. So there were periods of time, like a week and a half where I just didn't want to be touched. Also trauma kid one oh one stuff. Like there were just moments where I just didn't want to, and I didn't want to be physically intimate in any way, holding hands or whatnot. And those times would end. And whenever those, and I would try to describe it to him, I even got a therapist and I was telling him all this stuff that was coming up. Um, and he would seem like he understood. And then I think he would get worried and he would be like, do you, I know you cheated on me and that's why you don't want to have sex sometimes. And you know, that made everything very hard to like want to then go out on a limb and communicate. There were a couple times I wanted to do sort of outside the box stuff, no pun intended. Um, that I had talked to him about, and then in his mind, he would, like, get worried and be like, did you do that with someone you cheated on me with? And I'm like, I didn't actually cheat on you with anyone, so. It's frustrating. It was frustrating, and it made me not be able to communicate with him very much. The ex-boyfriend who had a lot of feminine energy I spoke of, now, he actually had been sexually abused as a kid. and He, I was probably the most comfortable with, because he just understood. <laughs> Oh, if there's three weeks goes by that I don't want that, and then all of a sudden I want sex every second of the day for the next three weeks. Like, he just got He just kind of got it. And it wasn't, there wasn't a punitive aspect to me not wanting to have sex. And not punitive like my boyfriends would try to punish, but a lot of them would just get confused and insecure. And this person that I'm seeing now, I can just tell everything to. And I'm a little different as well and have sought out, I think, healthier people rather than seeking out, you know, a person that I feel mirrors my own uh, discontent or upset because I have less of it now. So it sounds like the communication that you're describing with him, though, sounds more emotional. Is it more emotional or it's kind of everything where it's also... You know, like it's purely sexual communication where you're very, you're both very specifically asking for what you want and like expressing boundaries or like having like, you know, negotiations about how to try something new and exactly what would be involved. And you mentioned some power exchanges and Mm -hmm. things like that. Is it extending into that or it's just more of like the emotional um, setup? I mean, no, it extends into that, like the open communication, because I've never been able to ask for something that I felt would make me seem foolish or weak, which of course is like a lot of the submissive stuff. Um, 
I mean, none of it's that crazy. I'm not like poking with hot pins. I'm more like, you know, still dipping toes in. We're talking about like some light choking and some like, uh, like not handcuffs, but the one, the straps that go under the bed, Mm -hmm. but then, you know what I mean? Like, and that's fun. But what in your mind would equate that to being weak if you were to express interest in that? I guess my problem with doing it before was that I was just so worried that, like, for instance, my ex, what had, I was just worried that if I had done those things and then they had ended up leaving, like, to do that was, instead of allowing it to just be sexy, for the moment that it is sexy and trust that that person um, like is participating in some of those power dynamics with you, but also like with respect, Um, even though some of those power dynamics sometimes is, it's just a very weird line because some of them are um, like motions or actions that outside of the bedroom would be disrespectful, but they're not. And so I think with any other partner, I was just worried that they were actually disrespecting me, but not with this one, but also because I can very clearly ask for what I want to do. So does this stem from the trauma that you've kind of mentioned a bit? Maybe a bit, or just also like life in New York and trying to act tough all the time and not wanting anyone to know that like... You act tough on the all the time, but really you, you know, want to be like spanked. But that's or, the case for most people. That I think, I mean, it's the case for most people. But it's taken me till you know my late thirties to figure to like be chill about it and to not think that doing that is some like secret that I'm harboring of like inner weakness that nobody can know about. That it's just sex. That it's just and sex can be everything. And sex is amazing, but it's also doesn't define how strong or weak you are in life. It defines how you can play with what's happened and what your mind does and how you can play with that to like really get close and enjoy yourself. So do you think the partner that you have now has allowed your mindset to shift so that if you were with another partner that you'd be able to approach it not from a place of if I ask for this or express interest in it, that it makes me weak or that there's some like loss of control on your part or something. I mean, do you, do you feel like you've shifted or this is a mindset that you're in that's very specific to this partnership? I don't know. It, it definitely is specific to the kind of partner that this person is, which is a healthier, I would say a healthier type of person or not even hell nobody's a healthy type, but somebody who actively participates in like verbal intimacy and emotional intimacy and sexual intimacy and their own happiness and their own well being like someone who's actually interested in their in their mental health mm-hmm. and to be with someone like that rather than to be with someone who at the time I think matched my own state that was just kind of reactive and trying to figure out how to quell the disquiet inside. You know, 
it's a lot safer and it's a lot more interesting to be with someone who's done a lot of the work. So they're, they, they're not, your insecurities are not fighting with their insecurities. You're just able to like do shit and have fun, which is like a kind of a component that I have found missing in a lot of the eventualities of my sexual relationships with people. It's become some sort of like fraught responsibility that's awkward. Responsibility for what? For someone else's emotions or insecurity and that like, or my own, and that there's so much put into like, whether you've accomplished intimacy, whether you're taking care of the other person properly. I remember I started going to therapy and I remember going into my therapist's office and saying like, look, I'm having trouble keeping consistent keeping consistent sexually and I'm worried that my husband's going to like leave me. Now he eventually did, but I don't think because of that. I think he did because he like neither of us really had been ready to get married. But all that being said, she reminded me of that like a year later when I was still going to her. And she was like, the only reason you thought it was a problem was because you were disappointing somebody else. And like, once I got around that, it was a lot easier to just like have sex and like have fun having sex when I wasn't so worried that I was just like disappoint, like disappointing somebody else or feeling responsible for their happiness. Like with my pussy. Yeah. Do you feel like sex is healing now or like you're, do you, cause you did mention it very briefly. So is it something that you just are aware of the potential for, or you're starting to use, this partnership especially, since it sounds like especially intimate and trusting and like a more of a safe space than you might have felt before. Does it feel like that? Yeah. And also he, even though he's like on the outside, way more square, like on the outside, I like look weirder, have tattoos, etc. He looks a little more of a traditional type of person, khakis buttoned down, <laughs> this sort of thing. <laughs> And yet the relationships he's had in the past um, have been a lot more like sexually expressive than the ones I've had in the past. And I find that interesting because I just do. I think that, I don't know. I mean, like I've always chased after brooding punk musician types or brooding literary types and they're great if you want to like write a diary entry about the fraught nature of <laughs> intimacy but um they're not so great if you actually want to like fuck good you know and like feel all the potentials like it always starts out great because that's when people are most at ease and feel like they've truly represented their best but as like a month or two into a relationship people start to reveal who they really are immediately get insecure and then try desperately to put everything on the bedroom and i think that's where people get all caught up and gummed up and like fucked up about it um so yeah can we talk about the trauma yeah Totally. So, well, I'm something that stuck out when you were talking about this woman, um, the female predator, and you said you were hesitant to say that she molested you. Why did you say that specifically? 
Because it sounded, the context of it, you talked about how old you were, and yeah. it almost sounded like you were hesitant to say she molested you because of the age that you were, as if that, that had some factor yeah. in it. Well, also the quote-unquote consent. So it wasn't until very much later that I had, and it felt like a decision, that I had decided to admit to myself that I had been molested. Because in my mind, that claim really was should have, should be reserved for, like in my mind, like five-year-olds who people are like, I'm going to hurt the puppy if you don't do this. Whereas I was almost a teenager. And yeah, this person was quite a bit older. Um, and the men that she had involved with me were even older than that. And I had wanted, I had like wanted to participate in this like sexual thing. And very much bought into the idea that I was unique and special and that some sort of magically extra intelligent outside of the rules person. And so there was consent. Like now the argument becomes, can a 12 year old consent? And what is the relationship between manipulation and consent? And then what is the relationship between manipulation, consent, and this person who was almost out of teenagehood at the time and the very clear indications that that person had been probably molested since they were very, very young um, and how that all fit in together. So when I, like a few years later, I remember I had talked about it almost. I started talking about it with like pride and then I realized I didn't want to talk about it with pride, but I had mentioned it because I was still sort of weirdly trying to work it out and like test the waters as far as who I would mention it to and who I wouldn't. And I was, I believe about 14 or 15. And I told a friend of mine who was a, a bit, quite a bit older than me, but a very close friend. And I think he was about 17, 18. So he viewed me as like a child, like a little sister type. Um, so there was no sexual relationship, but he was a very close friend. And he just goes, uh, I think you were like molested. And I really couldn't hear that. And I even like tear up a little bit thinking about it now because I needed somebody else to like give me permission to admit that. And I still kind of do because I was like, well, it's not like molested, molested, but it kind of is. So it's complicated and what people will allow to admit. And I think that ties in a lot with my desire to not have participated in anything submissive because I didn't want to feel like I had been made a fool of, which I did feel very much as a teenager. And even after I had realized that that was kind of that era between 12 and 14 and what was not quite as cool as I thought it was, um, I still went back to participate with these same people once or twice. So then that adds another layer of what I thought at the time was complication in consent. Because by that time I was like 15, 16. But how long have you thought about the experiences being traumatic or as trauma? I would say 
as specifically trauma, I would say from like 25. It was like a good 10 years before I would really factor it into my behavior at all. Nod to it or look at it. And then it was probably about seven years after that that I addressed it with any kind of therapy or anything. Only when I would realize that sexually it was really fucking with me in my head a lot of the time. Like there would be this strange 60 seconds of like rage I would have to go through where I would like visualize violent ideations of harming these people before I could relax into sex. And I guess that's why sex and like that idea of the wine and all this stuff and sex always appealed to me because like it was always in my fantasies, you know, drinking on the French Riviera and eating oysters. And like when I would fantasize about sex, it would be this very fanciful stuff and liquor was always involved. And I think because somewhere in the back of my mind, I knew that drinking wine and stuff would kind of remove that memory around sex. So do you, can you, do you feel comfortable describing more specifically what was involved? Like, was she the only one touching with, cause you mentioned some other people. So like what, well, what were the circumstances? The circumstances was that like when I lost my virginity, it was to a woman and a much older boyfriend and we were all having sex with each other. And then for the preceding... And that woman was the woman that the female predator yeah. you described? Okay. I don't know if I even feel comfortable calling her a predator because she was so harmed herself. But anyway, I guess that's how predators happen. I'm, I yeah, I think it's besides the point. Besides the point. So um, it's like then for the a few weeks, maybe even a couple months afterwards, I would consistently participate in like sex. Um, also, I remember about a year before that, without any sex whatsoever, I was like kind of encouraged to make out with another much older person by this female, like, and then I remember a couple years before there was also encouragement, um, to make out with people, men much older. So when the sex happened, though, she was the initiator? She was the initiator, and her boyfriend seemed, like, overjoyed by the whole idea. And then uh, even if she wasn't in the house, I would stay in the house, and him and I would fool around. Were you having your own sexual experiences outside of anything that she was... I started to to after that, yeah. A lot. It was quite promiscuous my teenage years but yeah I started to after that because yeah I wanted something I think of my own and I started to like drift further away and were you seeking out similar experiences to what was going on through her most of the things I sought out were like young men my age so like other 14 year olds um there was some older kids but like we're talking about I had one boyfriend who was 17 when I was 14 um and we hardly actually had penetrative sex it was mostly like making out and touching but in general I was seeking out I think more quote-unquote normal age-wise relationships like when you're describing it now like in this moment today what what are you what feelings does it bring up for you does it make you angry or just sad or kind of like pained 
It doesn't. I did this thing, which I thought was like a bunch of woo-woo bullshit when I first heard about it, called EMDR, mm-hmm. and I still don't know what that stands for. I guess we could look it up. <laughs> Rapid eye movement something something. And another friend of mine, who I almost said was like really molested, <laughs> but again, like that's what comes up, like still in my mind, I guess. Yeah. So she had recommended it to me, and she's like, it's weird when you do it. Basically, it's done several ways. Either you hold two pods that vibrate in your hands, and it's like at different intervals, the right and the left vibrate um, as you're holding on to these pads, or there's lights that shine in your right eye and left eye. And I guess the therapist will say something like, Find a happy place, you know, or whatever, the moment. So you create that place and then you announce the trauma you're working on. And then you put it, you try to put it to the side. And as you blink, you try to go in and out of it. So you blink and then From like you, trauma to the happy place back and forth. Yeah. And like if it's quote unquote sticky, you can't blink out of it. Um, now, when I first started working with my therapist, I was like, you have to fix this. This is causing issues for me in my relationship and this has to be fixed. And she was like, LOL. <laughs> you know, she's 80, so she didn't actually say LOL. But, um, and she goes, okay, well, let's start with a small one. Uh, what about your, you know, when your dad had to leave for an extended period of time? And I was like, oh, I don't care about that. I'm over that. Within, you know, three minutes of doing this exercise, I'm like, oh, he left <laughs> me with a crazy mom. And like, blah, blah, blah. Tears, tears, tears. And um, I had no idea how much. It's almost like when you see a building being uh, made and you, they're laying the foundation and there's that pounding machine that's like pounding the ground further and further and more compact into the earth. It's almost like that's what we do with all of our upset because it doesn't serve us or like early in life to get ahead or to accomplish our goals. And then eventually we realize that that compacted upset is hindering us from most of our goals. Um, so... When we actually addressed, we had to stop for a little while because I was in the midst of a divorce and she thought it was like too much. But then when we finally did address it, it was interesting. And I had realized that I had like thought about it here and there in little bits almost every day of my life. And that never occurred to me because I would kind of just like shake it out of my head every time I remembered it. Um, And it doesn't. Like, I don't get that feeling. So she did a bunch of other woo-woo stuff that I thought was annoying. Um, like, oh, if you had emotions, where would they sit next to you if you had to place them at a table? And I was like, shut up. <laughs> I was like, fuck you. I hate everything about you. So is it something that you've always brought up in relationships? Yeah. Uh, there's a couple people that didn't last long enough for me to, like, really tell them. But I don't think I ever delved super specifically into any of it, except with my husband. And, you know, he had his own issues and he was like understanding, but then he would get paranoid about it. At some point, I think he got paranoid that I was like, quote unquote, thinking about other people in bed. And I was like, you are very far away from rational at the moment.
So that was upsetting. And I don't think, I think that he had, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I think that he probably had a lot of things, trust issues and trauma stuff that he eventually might want to deal with, but it's not my problem anymore. If you had to, you know, really think about the details of your kind of sexual timeline, because it's unfortunate that your first penetrative experience was, you know, through this other person and kind of brought to you and not something that you went to. But what was your sexual identity and your feelings and your experience with sex before, you know, the encouragement to make out, before, like, any involvement with this person, like, purely independently on your own? Like, how old were you when you were first kind of aware of yourself as a sexual being or feeling interested in kind of exploring it or engaging in it or just curious about it? I remember around early puberty, like pre-period puberty, I would, every time I would have to pee in class, instead of actually going to pee, I would like cross my legs and I would put my hand on the chair next to me and look down very intently at it. And I think orgasm, although I'm not sure, (laughs) like hold my pee in until like involuntary contractions happen. And I was like, that's exciting. That's great. It's a pretty good, exciting feeling. Do you get pleasure from sex? Yeah. Do you orgasm easily? Yes. Right. Ish. Are you one of the unicorns that can orgasm from, like, missionary position? or? Um, That's rare. Missionary is rare. I usually orgasm on my belly. Do you remember the first time you knew that you had an orgasm? During sex? Well, in general. Because I'm just... It was strange because... I know that, you know, well, we've already discussed it. Like, you're an adult, you've had sex, consensual, et cetera. So, like, why now, looking back on it, did you use, I think maybe, like, you seemed unsure. So, whether whether you had an orgasm or not. Oh, because I don't know whether the involuntary contractions, is that officially an orgasm? Well, the, like, was it a pleasurable? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and like whole, but like somehow it worked better if I had to pee. Mm-hmm. I think that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, with squirting, it's often like you know correlated to that feeling, so. and also the urethra's right there. Yeah, I assume that like any tingling are... feeling, like kind of mushes. Uh, I do remember. I think when I was a very young child, getting like heated in the area and sort of like. How do I put this without putting it the way it pops in my head? Well, I guess I have <laughs> just like humping my flattened hand onto yeah. the floor. I think when I was a kid, I like humped myself or pillows and various things. But I think that's normal. Yeah. Um, and in general, when I see people masturbating in porn, like women, I'm like, that's bullshit. <laughs> like, or like how people masturbate in uh, movies. I think it's... Not utter nonsense. Like, I, I, I mean, generally, if I'm alone, I'm gonna like roll over on my flattened hand and <laughs> press my pelvis into my hand into the floor. It's not exactly the most like any. A lot of that stuff, I think, is for it's to be watched. You know. So I occasionally, very occasionally, come from missionary. Um. It's got to be, like, really intense, and there has to have been a lot of foreplay before. But most of the time, I come not from doggy style, but, like, being on my belly. I mean, that sounds like you're probably having some sort of G-spot orgasm. Or yeah. maybe the A-spot. What's the A-spot? The A-spot is um, 
cluster of nerves that's at the end of the vaginal canal, so very deep in, closer to like where you would be stimulated if you were having anal sex, or if you were sleeping with somebody that has very long penis would be able to reach it. I used to like anal sex a lot, I am, and I would always come from it. But as soon as I came, I wanted it out of there, like for some reason. But I had such a great experience with my first time doing anal. It was like the best. I was dating someone who was at the time bi, but we're pretty sure he's gay. Um, And he, him and I like, you know, we ran around in pajamas. I think I was 16. We were both 16. We would always run around in pajamas and take ecstasy. And he had had sex with men before. And it's just like, I guess I'm going to stick it in there now. You know, <laughs> like you you stimulate the the woman in the front and sort of just, or man. But I guess you give them a reach around, whether they're a woman or a man. Place the penis on the butthole and allow the person being stimulated to have the control and to push back as they get more excited. And so for me, that was always like, I have uh, had recent experience of not, I really didn't have that much anal sex in my 30s so far. I don't know why. It just wasn't really what was going on. But um, most recently, there is a size issue. So anal is a little bit <laughs> out of the, and unless I'm, I'm, you need to anal train. I know, I know, <laughs> but it's like hard. To, it's like who has the time? You know what I mean? I spoke to this couple, and the, they have anal sex every day. She uh, has pain from having vaginal sex, so they like strictly have anal sex. Oh, wow. But she, um, she wears a butt plug, like just. She comes home, she's a nudist, and she'll take all of her clothes off and just like spend her time at home with a butt plug in, just laying around all the time. Which I thought was interesting, but doesn't sound especially pleasurable to me. I don't know. I don't know. But this is funny, though. So the very first thing you had in your ass was a penis? Like, that was that was the jump? No fingers from anyone else before? Or? Oh, no. He fingered me. Same person. Yeah. Um, we did fingers first, but then when the official penis in butt happened, there was a, a whole, like... This is what lubricant is. This is how, and like I would, I was so very excited from all the stuff he was doing to me, literally, I guess, um, that I pushed back. And I, it took me quite a while to be able to push back all the way, but he also wasn't terribly big. So. And when you say not big, do you refer to just the length or the width or the combination? Like what? Just not long. Or why? I mean, he was like a teen. Teen dick. Yeah, but sometimes <laughs> teens have very big dicks. <laughs> I mean, people who have giant dicks, like, they had giant dicks when they were teenagers, too. It's not like there's, I always, now you're 30 and now it finally blossoms. <laughs> I always ran into just, like, very average to, to big. Um, but this particular person was, I'd say average. Because I averaged on the small side. So how was the vaginal sex, though? Like, eh. I don't even remember. <laughs> it must have been underwhelming. It was if fun. It's... Like, right. it was very fun. We had a lot of fun. Because um, he knew how to do more stuff than anyone I'd ever slept with. Like, 
he knew how to stimulate. He knew what a G-spot was. He knew that fingering this way would be cool and fingering that way in this position would be cool. Like he was much more experienced than I was um, in a, in a healthy way. So do you, when you're with a new partner, is it something that you initiate? Like if you, you're sleeping with somebody for the first time and they're like anal sex is on the table or it's discussed or it's becoming apparent that that's something they're going for. I mean, are you, how vocal are you for your own interests? Really depends on their size. I'm not promising anyone anything to anyone with like a giant dick or even introducing the subject because that seems like what if they don't know how to do it? Like, you know, what if they're But can you too tell pushy? them? Yeah, no, I could tell them, but some people just don't like I also I don't think I've ever had anal sex with a big dick, which is the issue I'm running into at the moment. I guess my point is more I'm trying to to ascertain like how how comfortable you feel like very being very specific about what you want. And if it's not happening, you know, asking for it. Recently, very comfortable. Prior to that, less comfortable. But prior to that, more comfortable. I think it's partner-specific for me. And I think I still need to work on finding a consistent voice, even if, no matter the partner, you know? Yeah. I guess I rely a bit on their communication skills. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully that changes. Is there anything that on the horizon that you want to try that you haven't dabbled in before? Yeah, like butt sex with a bigger person. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, like I said, like I'd like to, I, I guess I would like to try sex with multiple people. I would really like to try sex with multiple people um, that aren't gender specific. That. And is that time, I mean, because you mentioned group sex in, in high school and also, you know, the situations with the female predator. Um, but, I mean, is it trying to kind of reestablish uh, control over that type of situation, kind of take it back, or it's purely just... It's just sort of... evolved past that. It's just kind of like things I've fantasized about in a, um, while I've masturbated here and there that I've finally feel like I could just try and it would be like comfortable and cool um to do that I've there's for some reason like the non-gender specific third person or fourth person like that I find endlessly appealing I don't know if the guy I'm seeing at the moment also shares the same like interest in gender specific he's straight he doesn't seem to have any interest in you haven't talked about it we have, yeah, and he doesn't have any interest in, um, or attraction to men, uh, but is totally willing to dabble if I wanted to go gender non-conforming. Not me personally, but involve someone who's gender non-conforming. I think that would be <coughs> acceptable. I don't worry about our communication. Do you consider yourself to be vanilla? I think so, but I'm trying to change it. I don't know what vanilla is anymore. After Fifty Shades of Grey and every soccer mom like <laughs> wanting to be tied to the lamppost and like spanked publicly, like what is vanilla anymore? That norm is shifting. I think 
Fifty Shades aside, historically, orgies have been around for, I mean, just all of all of the things that are now kind of lumped into fetish or kink or whatever, I mean, they've always been there. So, I mean, in my opinion, it's more a matter of, you know, I think ignorance plays into it a lot in fear, shame, all that sort of thing, opportunity. So I don't really believe in the idea of vanilla. I mm. think, you know, all of the interests people have and all of the experience, you know, it's all it's all relative and it's completely subjective and it's all in the same pool. I don't really feel like anything is kind of over here and this is over there right. and we're in this very segregated kind of set of camps. I will say, like, I think I would be, the only reason I would be considered not vanilla is because of my willingness to try whatever or talk about whatever. Don't really think I'll ever decide on one thing I want to be. Which for me feels like that, like you have to decide, like I'm a sub or I'm a dom or something like that. And I don't know if that's ever going to, if I'm ever going to stop being fluid. But you really feel like that's, you need to make a decision? No, I just feel like in order to participate in that subculture, you have to like wear the clothes and do the thing. But I've always felt like that with every subculture I've ever been adjacent to, whether it's goth or punk or sexually explorative that's probably just my own hang up i think these labels are absurd i do like i do like the idea of like a sex party mm. went to one in paris but it was lame it was, was more like a what sex was going club on? you know what i i guess i had hoped for a hen some kind of henry miller Anais Nin, 1930s Parisian brothel with cafe tables and marble um, and cracked mirrors. And, like, it just wasn't like that. It's like a kind of a boring club where people were drinking just enough to get, like, loose to participate in something they had fantasized about. That does sound underwhelming. It was underwhelming. It wasn't bad. It was just sort of, like, lame. It was more like a club with stupid techno music do you think about the idea of you know the partner that you with or any other future partner so if you're not in agreement about you know something that you were interested in trying would that become a deal breaker for you would you try to explore some sort of understanding where you could explore these things outside of you know like the monogamy would be somewhat stretchy would you want to do that or it's something that, you know, you'd be, you'd make yourself content with the situation and. I feel like I've spent a lot of time making myself content with the situation, like all of my twenties and a fair amount of my early thirties. I think at this point I'd want to have more discussions about it and I don't have, I've not, I haven't run into that quite yet, um, but I figure I will cross that bridge when I come to it because sex is when it's good and when it's when you're feeling sexually healthy I feel like I feel like I'm very creative I feel like I'm it is like a drug though I mean like I can it's like oh the sun came up the sun went down we've spent the whole day just like kind of basking in our own juices um but I haven't crossed that at this point, with this person, I think I could talk about it. And I don't know if 
I don't know what I could think of that I wanted to do that this person wouldn't want to do with me. I don't want, like, I don't really want to have interactions with shit, so I guess that's the one thing I could see people really being adverse to. And you mean literally shit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm also not interested in that. So that could be the one thing. Like, if I could, I can't think of anything that if I really wanted to, this person would try. I think it's strange, though, that that's your, (laughs) it's like a hard line, but yet you're really into anal sex. Yeah. I mean, like, okay, there's, yeah, I'm into anal sex, but like, it's not like, okay, you get. No ass to mouth stuff. There's always been a wipe. (laughs) You know, I'm not like, ew, oh my God, if there's anything, because obviously stuff happens and like, no, I've never had this thing that people are afraid of who've never had anal that are like, what if I just start uncontrollably shitting everywhere? It's like, that just doesn't happen. Like the worst case scenario is that there's like a little something and the guy, if he's not a complete idiot, just is like, oh, uh, my dick was just in a butt. Let me wipe that off. Like it's... You know, and yeah, don't have anal sex after you had, like, fucking eight pounds of Indian food. There's just, like, (laughs) normal stuff that people, like, if you don't feel good in the butt, tum area, probably not the best time to have anal. Um, But, uh, you know, like, in general, like, massive. When I think of shit sex, I think, like, two girls, one cup type things. I don't really have a big interest in being peed on. Although I did pee on somebody at a club in Germany, but mostly it didn't feel very sexual. It was mostly to just participate. Like there was this piss bottom who was like there and everyone was peeing on him and there was like a grate and I could just like pee and I thought, I don't want to be like the prudish American, so I'm going to do it. And then I was like really proud of myself, but it wasn't sexual. It didn't feel like, ooh, pee. So I'm like, yes. (laughs) I peed on someone and I don't fantasize about people peeing on me. Come on the other hand, I may have developed a weird cum fetish. In what sense? I just like it. I like the consistency. I like having it in my hands and, you know, mouth, eating it. And what about blood, given your interest in combat sports? I don't really fantasize about blood. But is it something... Where if you were trying something with a partner and blood was a part of it, needling or maybe cutting or something, would it be... Because a lot of people have, you know, feces are very common, hard limit, but blood is another one where people are like breaking of the skin and blood. Like once that, that's on the table, I'm like, eh. I've never been like, ooh, cut me. Like I've never... I wasn't a cutter. That wasn't how I self-harmed. And I'm talking about purely... Oh, in right, the- right. Sexual. <laughs> um, I don't think like... I, I don't shy away from period sex. It's right. funny because I had, like, I consider blood to be a hard limit for me, but I also, you know, like period sex is totally fine. And it wasn't until I was just interviewing this other woman and she mentioned periods, or I don't even think in the context of sex, but it just occurred to me like as women, because I know a lot of women that also have that as a hard limit, but like, we bleed. It's inherently a part of our sexual experience. So it just seems absurd to have that, participate in that. And like, just, you know, there's no getting around it, but then drawing the line at other types of blood, aside from the blood that's coming out of your, your own body. 
I mean, your own vaginal canal, you know. I've never had uh, I've never had anyone request blood stuff other than like period. Like, and I was even I know quite a few people that are like, I don't care if you're on your period, I still want to eat your pussy, and I'm like, ooh, <laughs> okay. But it took me a while to say okay. Now I say okay, and they're like into it, and I'm like, fine. But I've never had anyone request needling or anything like that. I don't know what I would think. I would try it. I don't want to be needled because I already have like some acne scars on my back. I don't want more scars. You know what I mean? Yeah. Other than wise, though, I don't think I have a problem with blood. As long as, I mean, you know, get tested. You can do anything with blood. <laughs> Hepatitis or herpes. Everything's in the blood. So I think I'd have to be with a partner a long time just for safety reasons if they wanted to do blood stuff. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, no. I, guess, I mean, unless you want to ask me about anything. I think we covered a good amount. I, I keep thinking, like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> Sounds smart. Like, think of something that sounds really smart, but I can't think of anything. You sound plenty smart. I wouldn't worry. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you. See, now that wasn't all bad, was it? Like anybody's story, there are ups and downs. Nothing is ever a straight line. So if you have ups and downs in your own story, and I'm sure you do because you're a human and you would like to share those with me, just reach out. Sexographicpaint.com and let's set up a conversation. Uh, Anyway, that's it for this week. Until Monday's quickie episode, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sex Communication. Did you dig it? Tell a friend. Subscribe. Leave a review on iTunes. Send an email. I really would love for you to do all of these things. And if you'd like to know more about this project, visit graphicpaint.com slash sexpodcast for additional episodes and background on how this all began. And if you'd like to be a part of this podcast, send an email to sex at graphicpaint.com. Every story and experience is valuable, so why not do an interview or submit your own filthy audio? Be a part of our revolution and help us spread the message of sexy self-acceptance.